Welcome to the Resilience Breakthrough Podcast. Episode three. So today we're talking about rock bottom resilience. And we're going to bring on a guest in just a few minutes who has some very rock bottom experiences, both personally and professionally. Yep. Um, so so let's, let's launch into a Christian. Rock bottom resilience. To me, rock bottom resilience like typifies resilience. Like if anybody thinks of resilience and bouncing back from something, I think they're typically thinking of a rock bottom situation that they have to bounce back from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, <laughs> there has to be some pretty intense suffering, of course, to be rock bottom. And the ability to say to yourself, I'm going to use this suffering as a reason to put one foot in front of another and not give up. That's kind of the, the gateway to rock bottom resilience. Uh, the other thing that's really fascinating about rock bottom resilience is it's on a huge continuum. Everybody has their own rock bottom situation or moment. And what's rock bottom for one person is not rock bottom for another person. It's all relative. Yeah, it's, right? all, yeah, it's very yeah. relative. And, um, and that's where the... With rock bottom resilience, it's really important to flip the switch and say to yourself, how am I going to, again, use this suffering? How am I going to use this pain as a reason to grind, to not give up? And that's where rock bottom starts to kick in. But it's it, a lot of it is just staying in motion. Staying when, in motion. Yeah, staying in motion when, again, internally, you literally, it's so painful, it's so low, I'm going to keep moving in some capacity is whether it's internal moving, it's just fighting the battle internally and then, and then going from something internal to something external where, you know, I'm going to walk out of my front door. I'm going to walk out of my house. Um, if I've lost my job, I'm going to apply for five jobs. It's just, I'm going to just keep moving. I'm going to keep trying. If I get rejected from 10 jobs, I'm going to apply for 15 the next day. I mean, rock bottom is just not shutting down. So and one of the challenges there yeah, is yeah. when you're at rock bottom, that's when you're the least equipped to bounce back, I think. Yeah. Sometimes when you hit a rock bottom moment, like yeah. all you can see is the problems that you face. Yeah. You do not see what could happen to you yeah, if yeah. you put one yeah. foot in front of another. Yeah, there's not a lot of hope for the future. There's not a lot of hope yeah, yeah. when you hit that rock bottom yeah. moment. But yet we know that sometimes a rock bottom moment can be what leads people to gain new highs yeah. in yeah. their career or in their personal lives. When they bounce Absolutely. back from rock bottom, sometimes they have this like bounce back effect that continues forward even out of the rock bottom moment. And it, I mean, you see lives totally transformed yeah, and yeah. it all started with an yeah. overwhelming challenge. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, of course we never want someone to go have to experience rock bottom yeah. to balance back with. It's just it's something interesting about the human condition. A lot of times human beings until our backs completely against the wall, sometimes we don't make a lot of changes. It's just, yeah. um, we're, we're, we're very, it's, it's very easy for us to kind of keep doing the same behaviors over and over. We get into, um, a comfort zone and those rock bottom moments really pull us out of our comfort zones that, and that's what starts to create change. But, you know, so being a, a parent, being a father, you know, I never want my kids to go through rock bottom moments, but the longer I've been a parent, I realize, wow, sometimes that learning doesn't take place to those rock bottom moments. And that's the, I know, that's that, the hard dance. I know, you know? it's the dance. You, yeah. Sometimes we want to protect, you know, we have all these helicopter parents, you know, this is, I'm one a, of those, by the yeah, way, yeah, 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 I've overcompensated yeah. for I, my I childhood. I've been, <laughs> been two at times. And so, you know, sometimes we want to rush in and rescue our kids, but maybe they would be better off if we let them struggle a bit. 
but you know, finding that balance of, you know, being there as a resource to them and not, you know, not, you know, of course we want to make their lives better. We don't want them to experience pain. That's the, one of the worst things as a parent is to watch your children experience pain and hardship. Yeah. Even if we know somewhere that that <laughs> yeah. pain and that hardship could yeah. be one of the best things that they go through. It could teach them some of the most important life lessons that they'll ever, ever learn. Yeah. I, I let people know, look, I've had several people pull me aside as I'm speaking across the country and they'll say, hey, Mr. Moore, I've really never had a real rock bottom moment. And I always tell them, look, just hang in there. Oh. <laughs> it's usually somebody young, coming, they're probably huh? 25 years old or younger. They'll yeah. say, yeah, I've never experienced that. I say, hey, look, your physical body's breaking down. Things will change in this world. Nothing in this world really stays stagnant. Change is going to show up. So everybody, again, everybody's going to experience their own rock bottom. And yeah. the ability to say to yourself, I'm going to use this suffering. I'm going to use this pain to just continue to put one foot in front of another. And it kind of talk, it kind of loses back to what we were talking about it a few minutes ago. You know, a lot of times when you're in that rock bottom moment, you have no hope for the future. And that's why that continual movement is so important that you just do something, anything that's, that's productive. And again, for depending on what kind of rock bottom you have, just sitting up in bed yeah, may be significant. Right. And then right. the next thing might be just... Um, Standing up next to your bed and then yeah. and then walking across just taking the a bed, shower, taking a just shower, taking a shower, yeah, 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 yeah. That day and shaving and yeah. putting on some clothes, yeah, yeah. So, small things are very big in the rock bottom world, it's just, it's just pushing through. So, that's so the hope, kind of what you were talking about a few minutes ago, that hope is born when we continue to move forward. Unforeseen things show up by staying in motion, not completely shutting down. And I know when I'm rock bottom. I do feel like shutting down. Right. I mean, there's no question about right. that. But studying this in depth, I've learned that continual, just whatever it is, just Staying getting out of bed, engaged. taking that sh shower, going yeah. for that walk, um, reaching out to a friend. Those things are so, so important in, in rock bottom moments. And again, it's the guest we're about to talk to, yeah. man. Uh, well, let's guy, bring him in. Yeah, yeah this I mean, guy so, is so, amazing. Yeah. So we have with us today, Richard Carey Thompson. So Richard Carey Thompson is the founder and principal at a school called Gear Up Academy. And it's a, it's a middle school in Flint, Michigan, yeah, yeah. that deals with kids who have been given up on by the system and it gives them a second chance. I, I hope I'm doing that justice. Are you with us, Richard? Yes, I am. Yes, sir. So, right. so you, why don't you, I, I don't need yeah. to talk about your school. Why don't you tell us about your school and what it does? Well, first of all, Christian and Dave, it's an honor to be here with you from Flint, Michigan. And the school that we have created is actually out of a need and rock bottom for many of our Flint residents and specifically our middle school. So this is called Gear Up Academy and the gear is for growth mindset, for empathy, for action and responsibility. And the theory is that we wanted to give an opportunity to those kids in middle school that have been expelled, who have not been welcomed back to any schools through either behavior, through academics, or through their attendance. And so, so we started a school. A lot of these kids are rock bottom. There's no doubt about it, or have been rock bottom in their lives. And they've seen a rock bottom that many of us don't see. Yeah, and you can remember, Dave, what they've already overcome right. living in Flint and all the challenges in Flint. Absolutely. So it's, it, it, it's been incredible what these kids have been through. Yeah. And... So keep, I'm sorry, keep yeah. telling us about Gear Up Academy. I want to hear more about it. It's a, is it a middle school? Is that yes. correct? 
so it's a, it's a high school and a middle school. And actually last year, looking at data and students and interviewing them for a thesis uh, that I'm doing in a psychology degree, I looked at the data and then specifically the real life experience of our high school students and said, where in your career in school did it definitely go to the bottom, to the rock bottom? Mm. When did you quit? What are you learning? You know, why even try? Yeah. What are you learning? What I'm learning is through that study, what I learned was in interviewing 20 of my students and some of these students, A, uh, are from the judicial system, so they've been in and out of the court, uh, foster care through the system. Also, with phobia, anxiety and phobia is dominantly a huge aspect that uh, education is seeing much more of. And it was, if I had an opportunity in middle school, it would change the trajectory in high school. Mm. So what if then I took that data, I took all of those verbatim quotes from my students, presented it to my board and said, we have to go younger. We have to reach out to the middle school level because what we're doing in high school dominantly is triage in alternative ed. It's reactive instead. And and, and you found if you could go sooner, you could do things that were more proactive to prevent some of these problems from ever happening in the first place. Yeah. Yes. And again, that's straight from the student with empirical data backing it up. But with a witness from the student and their parents and then interviewed the parents. And, you know, so it's literally for those students, we're trying to get them through to become, you know, citizens of the world and and all, all that that has to offer. But going younger, first of all, middle school is its own challenge in itself physiological I know, yeah, absolutely yeah. Yeah. Everything. we got everything else going on yeah right. right let alone i failed every single class i have been kicked out of school since i was in second grade right i'm afraid to go to school uh all of these different things so that was what i wanted to do is i want the opportunity to lead a ship for all middle school students who have had these uh, actions and reactions in their life. This is rock bottom. Now, in America, there's very few that do middle school. There are some amazing ones, but there's not the dominant number as there are in high school. Alternative middle schools, you're saying? Alternative middle schools? Yes, sir. Alternative, Alternative middle schools specifically for the student who was kicked out. So one, one young lady uh, who is adopted by her aunt, she went to five schools, but because of the infraction, right, in her seventh grade year, she could not go to any school. Mm. Oh, wow. I said it would be an honor to work with you. Mm. It would be an honor to work with your family. And that's how it started. That's fantastic. Hey, man, you're, you're doing incredible work. One thing I want to ask is how are you guys dealing, you know, it's kind of, we have this huge coronavirus global pandemic that's going on. How is that affecting the, the, the situation on the ground in Flint, Michigan right now? Yes, great, great question, Dave. And again, Flint residents are resilient to begin with. Amen, amen. So, 
Amen. I mean, resilience is just part of the essence of the DNA, you know, since all of the GM, this, the water crises. And yeah. so it really is amazing, uh, you know, how the whole world looked at Flint a few years ago, right? A whole water from all over the world, right? In nation. Yeah. And the reality is now Flint is saying, what can I do for my neighbors? That's, that, that's what my wow. students were part of. They're like, we watch CNN 10 every day. Right. And these kids, empathy is key, right. To see, well, what's going on over here? What, what can I do to help someone else? When indeed the reality is, you know, trying to help themselves is what, the rest of the world is looking at them and they're saying, wait a sec, I want to try to help someone else because uh, when you help someone else, yep. it does help yourself. Yeah. So that turning that outward whole, makes a huge difference. Idea. Turning yeah. outward. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. One analogy of struggle and not helping is the story of the butterfly. Yeah, so the yeah. butterfly, when it's in the chrysalis, right. And uh, there's a story of a little boy who had this and they, he helped the butterfly get out and the butterfly died. And when, in that conversation, helping the butterfly actually hurts it because through the pain, the struggle of getting out of the chrysalis, it sheds the moisture off the wings mm. to then let it fly. Yeah. And so in hearing what you said earlier uh, today, that's the whole thing. And so to watch yeah. these kids struggle, but to be there to help, but not do it for them. Well, that's a, that's a beautiful analogy. Yeah, it is. It's really a beautiful analogy. So, so I understand, uh, Richard, that you actually have climbed out of your own personal chrysalis yeah. and you've been through your own crucible of pain to, to, to become the person you are today. Um, so talk to us about how you got to where you are today and why you started this school. Yeah. You know, let me just add one thing yeah. there too, because I've known him for several years and it's, I cannot think of a better principal or someone to advocate for these kids that understands resilience and, and rock bottom resilience and, and how to flip the switch, all these things we've been talking about. Richard is a powerful, powerful example that I've had the opportunity to go to Flint and see him in Flint and working in that community and working in some other communities there in Michigan over the years. I just want to share one story to kind of introduce oh, yeah, Richard yeah, yeah. Okay. that I think will be help people really understand how incredible this guy is. And you know, I get the opportunity. I've met literally hundreds of thousands of educators across this country. And Richard is someone who's just really impressed me. And, and it's because of what he's really done. He goes the extra mile. He's really a warrior for these students, for these children. Um, the, one of the first times I went and saw him in Michigan at, at an alternative school he was at, I think it was one right before this one he was at, and I believe in that Schwartz Creek, right? Is that where you were there? Yes. Did I say that right? Yes. Schwartz, Schwartz Creek, Creek Academy. Yep, Schwartz Creek Academy. I know your father started that as well. And um, it's, it's really did. been a family business, but it was amazing when I was there. I visit his school, and then we get done, and we walk out to the car. And I was blown away by his school. But when I stood out next to my car, getting ready to leave. We're standing out there on the sidewalk and kids were walking by like three kids. They're across the street. They see him and they make a V line over to him. And then several people who are parents and just people out walking their dogs and stuff, that whole community would walk over and talk to Richard. And you could tell he really, really was trying to bring resilience to this community. And I know that a lot of that passion 
comes out of your life story there, Richard. So yeah, going back to the question that, that you asked, Dave, you know, how, where did all this start, man? Yeah. Talk, talk to us about the chrysalis that you climbed out of. Yes. And thank you, Christian. We were honored to have you there at, at our school. And indeed, you know, when you advocate for students and families and give them that unconditional respect, because it really is about respect, and then having them come up to the level to advocate for themselves is the true mission of, of an educator and an advocate. So I appreciate for that, myself, yeah, my honor. For myself, and again, you know, I don't speak about many of my own uh, challenges and rock bottom, yet once in a while I bring that up to show my own students my own authenticity and indeed my own pain because then we can connect. So one of many is I am of a divorced situation. And as a man, divorce definitely is a rock bottom concept because you lose all essence of your own family. And I have six beautiful children. And so through that, it's not just losing a a beautiful bride. It's losing the essence of your family. And then in time, through anger and miscommunication, some of your own kids stop speaking to you. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's painful, painful. Painful. And if anybody out there, you know, specifically men, it's hard to deal with that because there's hardly any support system for this situation. That's rock bottom. And it's, it's a silent pain. Um, and I'll never stop lonely. Yes. Uh, beyond. And so, and I take my own responsibilities of divorce in this. And the reality is when your own kids stop talking to you, that is the greatest pain and rock bottom you can ever imagine. And, and so how do you get through that? How do you embrace that pain to keep going? Um, and through the universe, here I am a principal of an alternative school where these kids never even had a dad or, Mm. you know, I, I would even challenge some of my own students who would not speak to their parents, dominantly their fathers, but also mothers and just share with them that. And I would invite them to say, maybe at one point you just want to reach out. I had one student who this happened to and his father was in jail and he hadn't talked to him in three years. And I shared with him my own son and challenged him to say, you know, look beyond your own anger and think of your father's pain. I saw this young man eight years later. He reminded me of that conversation he broke down and cried and he said, because of you, I have a relationship with my dad now. Mm, oh, that's awesome. So you, you never know what seeds are planted, you know, because of your own pain and to do it, you know, unconditionally, but yet here's the reality to be raw. And so that's, that's one of my rock bottom beyond rock bottom. I thank you there. for being vulnerable and um, sharing that with us. That's a very personal, painful <laughs> thing. So, and, and I'm telling you, my therapy practice over the years, you know, men being in that situation is very 
common, especially around divorce. And um, I, mm. I, I'm really proud of how you're taking that and, and, and taking what you learn from that and helping these children heal, man. My heart's with you, man. Dude, I, I got to say, like, I, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm kind of on the other side of that. So my parents got divorced and uh, I kind of mm. had a falling out with my dad. Yeah, and you did. I don't yeah. talk to him enough. And, uh, you know, Richard, your, your message, I'm going to have to, I'm going to go give him a call. Like it's been too long. Yeah. I've got a great relationship with my mom, but I don't have a great relationship with my dad. And yeah. you know what? I, I don't, I don't think that's been fair to him. You know, he's been through a lot. We all make mistakes in life and I probably need to do better. So thanks for sharing that. You've impacted me today. Yeah. And I appreciate it. And those family relationships can be our biggest rock bottoms because you know, those are the most important relationships uh -huh. in our life. And I pre appreciate you sharing you know, that level of rock bottom. And I can promise you there's a lot of people listening to this that, that, that hear that and are experiencing that themselves. Right. And, and, and again, I'm, I don't share that with many, but I think if my story can help others, then it is a gift to be this raw. And again, I am certainly not perfect and, and continue to try. And I think miscommunication is the greatest breakdown of any relationship is, yeah. misunderstanding and miscommunication. That's so true. Yeah. How and, long ago so, was that divorce? <laughs> Were you divorced? How long ago? So that was, was 15 years yeah, ago. Was yeah. was 15 years ago. ago. Was a minute ago. Yeah. And the pain is as real, if not more today mm. than it was then. You, you know what I mean? Because yeah. you miss all of these amazing opportunities with your kids. Now it, today I have two out of my six still speak to me only two. Yeah. And so it's hard for my son and my daughter who, you know, speak to me because of what they get on the other end. And yet there's, yeah. it's amazing how insightful kids are, you know, and, and growing up. And so my daughter, um, Claire, who, who actually lives with me now, she's 22. And she is so wise. And, and Dave, like you had said, she said, you know, you don't know what it's like to be the kid mm. yeah, in a divorce. Yeah. 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 So I think it's there's tough. so much through. Oh, it's tough on everyone. Divorce is yeah, like, through I think resilient, one of the most challenging things people face. It really is tough on all ends. It is. Absolutely. And I don't think it's, you know, and when you get into the court system, it's so cold and black and white and, yeah. and you know, being a, a person of passion and, and of that level, it's, it's a totally different world. I mean, it's totally different. And so to look at it from the, the, the child's point of view, the mother, everybody loses in divorce. Yeah. And everybody has their side too. I mean, I think it's so tough to take sides in of this course. kind of thing because everybody, yep. you know, that, that, and, and what you said is so true. It's all about communication. And, and that's why people have their different sides and different perspectives is somewhere along the line. We all stop communicating. I know, you know, my wife and I, we have a really challenging relationship sometimes. Like she and I, we clash sometimes and we have some pretty, but, but you know what though, I will say this for us, like we have it out. And we, we, we will keep talking no matter how uncomfortable it is until we really are on the mm. same page. It's painful, but the way I look at it right now is we're paying the price now. We're paying that pain now so that we don't end up down the road in a divorce. And there are many times when I misunderstand her or I'm, uh, you know, I'm not appreciating what she's doing enough or whatever. And she helps me to see where I'm wrong. And, but it's painful to come to the realization that there are things that I'm wrong about in a relationship. Right. And myself too. You know what I mean? Like I, I look at myself first, 
a good friend of mine said, you know, look at yourself first before you start pointing. And that's in every kind yeah. of book you, you know, you yeah, ever want to read man. and to be very honest. And then once the snowball effect goes, it's so hard to get down to the very point of where it is because there's so much other stuff because of anger and miscommunication and reaction. And so, you know, rock bottom is definitely through divorce and, that is truly what's needed in America, if not the world, specifically for you know, the dads, the moms, the kids. And then you have the extended family, the grandparents who haven't yeah. seen, you know, it, it affects everyone. So rock bottom is definitely. And then how do you go through it? And again, it was a journey beyond, you know, many, so, many times. It's like, I don't know how I'm going to live the next day because of the pain. Right. Absolutely. So, so that was 15 years ago. Are you, are you remarried now? Where, where have, where have, where have you come since then? (laughs) Thank you for that, Dave. So with that, you know, for the first probably 13 years, um, had wonderful opportunities to be with wonderful people, but never could commit because of my own, you know, cognitive distortion of what is real and, and living in the past to be quite honest, okay. right? Right. I'm not going to commit because I'm going to get hurt again because that of that sense. conditioning. And so, um, I did then have a fell in love with this beautiful, beautiful, uh, woman. Her name is Charlene and, uh, just allowed myself, allowed myself to go to that level of, uh, 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 being vulnerable, as you say. And I actually called my daughter, Claire, this is before she, she lived with me. And I said, Claire, I, I'm going to really, I'm going to invest in this. And she says, dad, you got to do this. You got to get out. Yeah. You got to stop, yeah. you know, uh, just closing yourself off. So I did. And it was, oh, just so wonderful. And, um, we, we actually wanted to do many, many things for divorced kids like we're speaking about and make podcasts and videos and really yeah. talk real from a woman's point of view and then a man's. Yeah. So it was really like, you know, real talk, real yeah. talk. And then it was also, you know, the whole concept of um, interracial uh, because okay. she's beautifully African-American and I'm Caucasian. So that's a whole nother level. Yeah, yeah. And some, some of the cultural so, differences and um, some of the judgment that comes into play with, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think young people today look at that twice, but there are some people from older generations at time, not, not to judge them yeah. that sometimes look asconce at that and, and judge it as, as you know, not being quite right. So yeah. you know, did you deal with some of that? Right. Oh yeah. All the time, all the time. A- absolutely. Um, and so to get to the rock bottom, uh, I was going to fly down with her for, Thanksgiving. This is in 2017. And ask her mom, ask her mom, uh, if I could be with her daughter. Right. Oh, wow. If, oh, we can propose. Yeah. Propose. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. It's my proposal. Right. Because I'm like, this is it. My daughter said, Oh my gosh, dad, this is just amazing. Yeah. That's and, awesome. That's beautiful. Oh, no, that's said, a beautiful this thing. Yeah, this right is and because, you know, as you said, Dave, because we could talk real about things, argue about it, but still not separate on, on many levels. When, when you can get to that level of conversation with somebody, yeah. you really know somebody because you're not afraid. 
afraid that, oh, if I say this, it, it's over. Right. You know what I mean? Because your love is so deep. Because yeah, your, you feel your safe. Your respect is so deep as well. You're not always on the you same feel page. Safe, no matter what you say. Yeah, but you know that right. we're not going anywhere. We're committed. We're in this. Yeah. So that's what you had. That's a beautiful and so thing. It, yeah. And so it was it was sweetest day, 2017. And uh, I was with her in the morning and I had to uh, go uh, to, to do a men's retreat, actually, in in my friend's church that he invited me to. And that night, um, I didn't hear from her. This is sweetest day. I didn't hear from her, didn't hear from her. Um, and then I am blowing up her phone. I'm like, I, I must have called her, I, I don't even know how many times, and texts. And I heard from her really late at 11 o'clock at night. And, you know, your first reaction is like, oh my gosh, I have all these plants, I have flowers, I have this. He says, no, no, a lot came up, and, and, and if you love me, don't come out here. Wow. Um, what's, what's, yeah, what's happening? So she says, no, really, if you love me, please do not come out. I'll explain to it tomorrow when we go to church. And so uh, I am just like, okay, I want to respect her. I so want to go there, but I didn't. I literally like was holding myself back. Mm. And so I went to her apartment on that Sunday and her car's not there. Wow. I go to church. She's not there. I am literally going just my mind starting to go crazy on this. Uh, meanwhile, I am, you know, calling my daughter like this is not, I, I feel a sixth sense. Yeah. And so the next day I'm at school um, running the, the academy with my 150 students. And, you know, of course everything is happening there. And I, um, I see on Facebook from her daughter that it says, R.I.P. Mama. What? What? R like R.I.P. Like she's dead? Huh? Yes. So no. I literally, yes, I'm literally in a shock. And I, again, have called her a hundred times, no answer. Mm. My secretary, uh, uh, you know, suggested why don't you get a hold of the police uh, station there. And sure enough, they couldn't say, but it was, um, through, through talking to the, um, the inspector and detective and it went, the, the inspections and detectives went on for months. Um, it was a murder suicide of an ex-boyfriend oh, that stalked no. her. Mm. Oh, I'm so no. sorry. Sorry. Sorry to hear that, man. Ooh. So she was telling you to stay away yeah. because she knew this guy she's, was dangerous and she didn't want you to get hurt and she yeah, thought she could handle it. She's protecting you too. Yeah. She thought she could handle it or what? Dave, we what and it's all on the 911. The reality is it took a long time for me, you know, with the detective to get the truth out of it and there's a lot of things, but literally he had he had a gun to her head when, when she finally spoke to me and I was supposed to be there. Oh so my he had said, yeah. So, so wait, 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 wait. When she told you, if you love me, don't come here. He she had, had a gun to yeah. her, her head. Wow. I'm yes, so that, sorry. That is, wow. I don't even know. I don't even know that, how to react to that. <laughs> mm. And so what he said on the 911, then she immediately called 911. He said uh, on, on the recording as if, if I can't have you, no one can. Mm. Oh my and gosh. then on the recording is the shots. 
straight to her head that killed oh her, and gosh. then he killed himself. Oh my gosh, that's intense. Yeah, that that's by far the worst rock bottom. <laughs> yeah, I've ever I've heard anybody going through for their family, for you, to, for wow, oh man, that's from like the highest high to the lowest low in twenty four hours. Yes, yes, beyond, uh, and to the point where you know when you hear this shot comes in you know um my superintendent is there for a meeting and i literally shared this with him in shock he, he was fantastic to help me through that mm. i literally don't even remember the next three days you know i took the next three days off my all my kids supported me because i'm very transparent with them yeah, i have yeah. a congress every morning yeah. with my kids and the congress yeah. means everybody in one room we're going to go over the real stuff and I shared that with them, um, uh, and it's it's been literally like, you know, no one. I, I'm no one. You know, yeah. everybody thinks this happens to everybody else, and I'm not the only one that this happens to. You know, I'm I'm in Flint, where it, you know it used to be the yeah. kill capital of the world, mm -hmm. in, uh, of, of the United States. So, and again, I'm not saying this that it's only my pain. Everyone has pain, and, and these things happen it happens to my my own kids in, in my school yeah. so when i can share that with them they speak they can speak about their their father their brother yeah. and so it, it, it it's a bonding thing but where do we go from here yeah so like that's, said, so that's my stop? question do you here. feel bad like how, where do you go from here yeah how did you climb out of that rock bottom moment what did that look like for you to put one foot in front of another yeah, and keep moving forward. And, you know, I imagine you're tapping into all four sources of resilience as you climb your way out of this. <laughs> yes. And, you know, as a man, you know, um, you know, I wanted to just lock myself up, not let anybody in. Um, but I didn't, I took that. I spoke to her mother that day, that day that I found out. And I just wanted to hear her voice and cause I was with her in her last, you know, months and weeks of being happy. And so she invited me to go down to South Carolina. So I live in Michigan to go to South Carolina, never met her or her family. Well, never and met him before. She invited wow. me, never met him and, mm. and invited me to come to the funeral, mm. the mother. And so at that is your decision. Is this about me or is this about serving someone else through this pain? Mm. Right. And indeed, um, I said, I need to go. I need to go for my own cathartic and I need to do this for someone else. Mm. And so um, my daughter actually went with me and we flew down to South Carolina and um at one point when I wavered and said, you know, I, it's not my place to be there. Uh, her cousin called me and said, listen, if you are the only one that speaks to her mother and, and holds her hand and says, you know, your daughter loves you. I was with her the day of that's the gift. That's what you need to do for her. And then it was just instant. Absolutely. I don't care what it costs. I'm doing this. You're going. Yeah. And so yeah. we both went. We, we both went down there 
Well, and, well that's a moment um, when, you know, what, what we refer to a Christian first to in his book as flipping the switch, right? I mean, you were, you wanted mm. nothing more than to be locked up away from everybody private with your pain. And then you get a call, you get a call to do something higher to, to reach outward and then as you visualize that in your mind, you flip the switch and then nothing can hold you back from going to that after that, right? Not exactly. Dave, that's exactly what it was. It literally was the switch being flipped. And even though so many people, like, you, know, you don't know them, you know, they're going to hate you because of this. And I said, I'm going, I'm going no matter what. When I went down, their family had so much love and respect and honor that a, this man came down. That's beautiful. I brought pictures cause I, I love to take selfies as, as Christian knows <laughs> we have a few ourselves yes, and sir. Yes, I sir. Just took so many pictures all the time. Right. And I put together mm-hmm. uh, a little montage of pictures of her and I together in a picture uh, of one of just her and a beautiful picture of her that I had blown up that I gave her mother and was there at the funeral. And, definitely was flipping the switch and the essence of flipping that switch was it's not about me it's about me giving someone else the hope and goodness totally you know sacrificial for someone else and the mother held my hand my daughter actually took a picture of her holding my hand it's one of the most beautiful moments I've had in my life of just how do I take my own pain and transform it to a gift wow wow that's beautiful yeah we're, we're speechless over here i mean no. i think this is this is just emotionally <laughs> so tense to hear this story and thank you for sharing it with us i mean that's something really sacred and really really special and i i appreciate you sharing it with us because without these kinds of kind of raw authentic moments and without kind of reverse engineering how we get out of such painful moments in our own lives. Like how, how else do we do it without seeing someone else do it first? Early on, you used the metaphor of a butterfly and a chrysalis. And, uh, you know, some people kill butterflies by opening the chrysalis too soon because they want to quote unquote help. But, um, you know, you've, you've been through quite, uh, you've been through quite a lot of affliction. So talk about how you channel the pain that you've been through into the resilience to create this new school, Gear Up Academy. Yes, thank you, Dave. And what the flipping the switch from the pain to actually using that as power, so going from pain to power, is again with the quote, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And then in your mind saying, This didn't happen to me. It happened for me. And how can I channel this pain into something positive? And so from that created uh, a middle school program, the high school program for gear up Academy was already there. And I had the honor of working with them and then looking at data of the high school students saying, we need to go younger and given the opportunity from, uh, Mr. Winston and Dr. Hartley to say, okay, we love this idea. It's based on facts. It's based on uh, data. It's based on the pathos, the ethos, and the logos. And so we then started an online program 
in-house. So when you talk about online and in-house, the only way we could do this is by utilizing online learning because oh, wow. I only was going to start with 15 kids. Now, you know, it costs so much for teachers, for this, for setup. And um, I'm going to also put in there, part of my ethos was I want 15 high school students that are in the school to then be mentors for the middle school. So when you give purpose, when you give purpose to any human, it changes the mindset. Absolutely. So now the high school student who is, who is still struggling, right, and going through their own resilience, now have been trained and realized that your, your presence alone can change the life of someone who has gone through what you have gone through. And I have seen so many amazing stories that have happened. And one in particular, one gentleman who was in and out of the judicial system because we work with the courts here in, in Flint, Michigan, um, and just an amazing, amazing program with Judge Godola. And uh, looking at a student there who would hardly ever show up, and he heard my spiel that I did to the whole high school, and he said, I want to be part of that. He showed up every day. He then went above and beyond and he actually graduated because in his words, I had purpose. Wow. That is just, that is so powerful to take someone yeah. who everyone has given up on and to give them a purpose and to help mm -hmm. them succeed. I don't know that there's some, anything more meaningful than that in this world. I concur. And, and my partner, Miss Kelly and Miss Redmond and Miss Claire and Mr. Thompson and I saw this young person change. The main reason why he could graduate, gentlemen, was because of online learning. Wow. The only reason, oh, because yeah. he could do it at his pace. I'm going to say that again. The yeah. only reason he graduated, you know, on the system. You know, first of all, we changed his mind with the empowerment and purpose. But if I didn't have the tool called online learning, yep. John never would have graduated. Well, you know, I didn't re I don't think I realized just how big a part of Gear Up Academy yeah. was online learning. And, and yeah. I mean, there's really no more relevant topic. Man, I got 50 more questions for you around online I learning. I'll we'll so, have to do that later sometime. But. We'll, we'll have to bring you Ooh. back for another episode here. So um, are you okay with that, Richard? Would you like to, would you be okay with coming back I and talking to us again? I would be honored. And as Socrates says, you know, I, I, I know nothing, but I will share whatever I know. There you I go. Love I love that's, it. That's great. Richard, you, you've shared some really, <laughs> really paraphrase. powerful personal stories with us today that I, I don't know. I mean, I just hearing everything that you've been through, is there, is there any last word you have for people who are feeling rock bottom right now for people who are feeling like tomorrow, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm going to get a little emotional saying this, but there, I think there are people out there who aren't sure tomorrow is worth living for right now. What's, mm -hmm. Yeah, they're dealing with it today. They're dealing with that right of this now. crisis. Yeah, yeah, it's not even tomorrow, man. Today, I know. people are um, dealing with some intense stuff. I mean, this, I've been on this earth 50 years, and, and I've never seen nothing like this that's going on right now. It's and, intense. Um, and I told my kids, man, you're, you're living history. You know, how people used to talk about, you know, World War II, the Great Depression. You know, 2020 will be talked about in a way that uh, that it's just 
that again, I don't even have the words for it that we've never seen before. And so, you know, Richard, you um, have overcome some tremendous stuff. I was talking to Miranda Beard yesterday, who was the past president of the National School Board, and she said something really inspirational to me, man. She said, yes, this is very difficult. It's a, a horrible, horrible situation. But she said, you know, this is not the biggest thing. I've overcome other things. I've overcome bigger things. She, she has an incredible story, and we'll bring her here on the show. But she said, you know, to quote her, and I'll see if I can quote her correctly, she, says, she said, and she's this incredible African-American woman who overcame all kinds of stuff from her childhood and became the first you know, school board president. I don't know if she's the very first or first, second um, African-American woman school board president. I need to get that for sure. But um, she said, you know, my people have dealt with a, medical, uh, a metaphorical virus for many, many years. And she said, you know, we're going to, we're going to use this. We're going to overcome it, but it's not the worst thing we've been through. And she said, and you look at, you know, what you were sharing earlier about Flint, what the people have overcome in Flint and, um, and their resilience already there in Flint. And um, anyway, so Richard, yeah, please, please um, speak to that, man. Right. And, and it's an honor to live in the community that I serve. And Flint is a resilient place with unbelievable, uh, wonderful kindness and resilient people who give back. And now they're giving back to the world as the world gave to them. And the concept of, you know, the, the nickname of our school is Invictus. Invictus, I-N-V-I-C-T-U-S. And that means unconquerable. And as Mandela read the poem Invictus by William Henley, we're in the same concept, not knowing what's going to happen next. But the last two, last two sentences on that uh, poem is, I'm the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And as Mandela you know, stated that and education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. And I would then put in there that it's your internal concept of your resilience that is uh, an unbelievable gift and uh, armed source to give back first for yourself and then for others. So... I'm the master of my faith. I'm the captain of my soul. Invictus, unconquerable. No matter what, it doesn't mean we're not going to fail and we're not going to, you know, uh, go through all the human things. This means I'm never going to give up and I'm always going to bounce back no matter what. Well, those are powerful words and we'll leave you with those words today. And I, I, I let me just say, um, Thank you. Thank you, Richard RKT, for taking time out of your day to come and speak with us. Um, thank you for all the work that you're doing out there in Flint. Thank you. Thank you uh, to all the educators out there who are working late nights and weekends to figure this out, to help provide a, a, a positive learning environment. And we'll talk more about that in this next episode. But, you know, just our hearts go out to all the educators out there. Absolutely. We love you. Uh, why try as an organization? We're here to serve you. 
And uh, and thank you for all the powerful work that you do. And thank you, Richard. Yep, it's an honor. And hey, Richard, it's an honor to call you a friend, man. You're, you're a great friend, and thanks for always being there for me. And your love and kindness is what stands out the most, man. And the, I always tell people uh, two greatest principles in the world. The greatest principle I've ever come across is love, and you've always exemplified that to me. And then the second most powerful thing I've ever been exposed to is the ability to see our problems as our best friend, to see our problems and our suffering is a reason to become greater and to show more love. And you exemplify that. And thanks for giving us this much time. You're, you're one of my heroes. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. It's my honor. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Christian. All right.